In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. On May 1st, 2010, Shanann Gilbert disappeared along the south shore of Long Island under mysterious circumstances. Earlier that same night, she had called 911 alleging that somebody was trying to kill her. But in spite of this call, the police had no idea where she was and who she had been referring to. It wasn't until December of that year that the police had made a startling discovery. Four female bodies wrapped in burlap in the general area where Shanann had disappeared. The search for Shanann intensified, and within months, police found her remains, as well as those of 16 people in the surrounding area, all of a similar profile. Who was behind these murders, and how had they eluded capture? Was this all the work of a single person? Today, these questions remain, along with another that lingers over the entire case. Will we ever find the Long Island serial killer? Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. And we're your partners in crime, wine, and time. Because we're going to be in your ear for the next hour talking about a case that we all are probably familiar with. We are. And I think we did so many episodes that took place in Jersey. It was only time to bring it home. Yeah, I, 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 was, I, was, I was airing out our, my Jersey issues to the world. But now we're going to Long Island. We are going to Long Island. I feel like I should do this in a Long Island accent. We are talking about the Long Island serial killer. No, that was kind of Boston. That was very, it was very Alaria Baldwin, if you will. Well, I actually am from Long Island because why would you pretend to be from there? <laughs> that is very, that'd be a whole different case for, to be evaluated by. No, but I'm wearing because it's Long Island. So I also am kind of dressed like the Long Island medium just because I don't know if I got this cardigan from Chico's, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if I did. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about the Long Island serial killer. This one is, I mean, it's really interesting. There's a lot going on and a lot of corruption and so much intrigue. So let's just get into it. The story all starts with the disappearance of Shanann Gilbert. She was a 24 year old escort from New Jersey. Shouts out to Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, too, about um, this case is that even though it's the Long Island serial killer and all of these people were found on Long Island, they are not actually from Long Island. Yeah, well, we learned from the night uh, stalker that they, people just name throw names to the wall and hope one sticks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're just the like hysteria rapist, the original night stalker, the not the diamond knot killer, like some crazy shit like that. It's just a bunch of boy band test names. It's like X Factor. 
Right. I mean, this one actually does make sense because that does make a little more yes, sense. Yes. He's killing people either on Long Island and then transporting them to Long Island anyway. So, OK, Shanann Gilbert, she disappeared on May 1st, 2010 during a job, and it was taking place in a gated community on the South Shore of Long Island. She had actually made a 911 call that night saying someone was trying to kill her. And like nothing happened, really. Um, her family tried to report her missing and the police wouldn't treat her as a missing person. Um, probably, I think probably because she was 24 years old and also because she was a sex worker, because we're going to circle back to this. But uh, they, uh, the attitudes from the police were were bad. Yeah, the police and also a lot of the public. too. It's just in- yeah. infuriating. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. And then on May 3rd, her mother received a call from a man asking if her daughter was there or if she was still missing. So, I, well, it's kind of weird that like, who is this man? Like, how did the like, why was the man just calling her for that? It's kind of like being like, why is she checking if he's turning up? Yeah, it just, it's like, what it do you mysterious. know? And it was also on my birthday, so it had to be included. Made <laughs> so, so then this all took a turn because while they were while the police were searching for Gilbert in December 2010, which is still like, what, six months later, seven months later, yeah. um, four bodies were found wrapped in burlap on Oak Beach, Long Island. So this led the Suffolk County Police Commissioner Richard Dormer to say four bodies found in the same location pretty much speaks for itself. It's more than a coincidence. We could have a serial killer. And then on top of that, autopsies revealed that all the victims had died of strangulation. And at the time, police just believed that a car drove along the highway and just like dumped them into the bushes at various intervals. The interesting thing was that uh, Shanann was not among the bodies found, but this string of discoveries led the police to widen their search. And within a few months, they found 16 victims' bodies discovered in the surrounding areas of this highway, all of them women with similar profiles. And right now, we know that there could be anywhere between 10 to 17 victims that are specifically connected with who is called the Long Island serial killer, or um, they also call it, I think, Gilgo Beach Killer. Yeah. And... Um, the first known victim was all the way back in 1996 when a pair of legs washed up near Davis Park on Fire Island. So we're talking about a long time. Yeah, a Long Island long time. Yeah, <laughs> a Long Island long time. That sounds like a drink or like someone's stripper name. You know what a Long Island long time is? It's any person listening to this right now who's been on Long Island since March 13th, 2020. Whatever you're oh. drinking, that's what it's called now. Yeah, no, I even I I couldn't do that. So shouts out to you. Shout out to you. If you're still there. (laughs) Um, And then eventually Shanann Gilbert's remains were found in December 2011, which is like, again, a year and a half after she went missing. Literally so long. And she was found in a marsh in Oak Beach that hadn't been searched previously. And this is like the weird part, too, because some investigators think that she ran away and got trapped in the marsh and like succumbed to the elements. And like, I'm not I'm not a law enforcement agent, but I don't think so. This isn't Greek mythology. You know what I mean? Like, how does that actually correlate to like reality? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were some differences between her there, case and the other victims. Like the other victims were dealing with someone who was covering their tracks, like who used burner phones to make appointments and things like that. Um, Gilbert's client was like open and used his own cell phone and stuff like that. Um, 
Who knows? Um, an autopsy done by the family did find that her cause of death was also consistent with strangulation, but the police believe that her death was an accident and not related to the Long Island serial killer. But either way, her disappearance did lead to this massive discovery. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of feel like she is involved. I, th- I think without a doubt. And I think it's the only, like she led to the discovery, but also it's because of so much bias and things like that that we'll get into later. It's why it took so long for her to be found and why maybe certain evidence could be messed up with it and everything like that too. Yeah, totally. Did you, before we get into, because of course we are going to talk about the other victims, but did you watch Lost Girls on Netflix? Cause that was mainly about Shanann and her mom type of thing. It's, it, 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 it's not a documentary, it, but it's I a- didn't have time. And also um, Billy Jensen, who I think did a lot of the research for I'll be gone in the dark, like posthumously for Michelle McNamara Ooh. just came out with a podcast about th- this case. Oh, I, I like think the it. podcast came out like earlier this week. Oh, we like Billy Jensen. So shout out to him. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I was going to say we should have a mom, but he'd probably be like, listen to my podcast. And I respect that, Billy. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about, um, but I do. That's why we need him. We'll have him come on for like a different one. He also yeah. has a great jawline. Which and is he'd just be like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I would just stare at his jawline being like, mm-hmm, go on, go on. <laughs> uh, so, so that's just Billy, if you're listening to this, which you're, if someone wants to tell Billy that we love him, please do. So anyway, and also watch, I liked Lost Girls, watch it on Netflix if you have Is it still on? Yeah, I, th- I believe, yeah, because it just came out last year and it's a Netflix original. Oh, hell yeah. So it'll be on because for Because I got bit. burned by betting on zero and I was like, oh, this is on Netflix. So yeah, then no, I had to should, rent it on YouTube. It should still, yeah, it's still on. It premiered at Sundance and I thought it kind of told the story in a well way, like in a well way, a lot of focus just on Shanann now, not so much on the case itself. Take it or leave it type of thing. But okay. Yeah. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. And I kind of always like too, because I feel like so many times with cases, we watch documentaries. It was fun to kind of, or more so interesting to watch uh, dramatization in laden truth with it more so, which is fascinating. Mm. So like we said, though, there were, it was more than just Shanann. There were a lot of victims and believed to be around 10 to 17, all connected to the Long Island serial killer. A few of them, like we talked about, still remain unidentified, but there seems to be a very clear pattern uh, between all of the victims. Most were petite 20-somethings who worked as escorts advertising on Craigslist, which back in like 2010, that was like the main, I feel like, because like there weren't yeah, like Yeah, they had the, for, what did they call it? Not the adult pages, uh, but seeking, you know what I'm talking about. Seeking connections, right? Isn't it, see? Yes, but I feel like there were seeking connections, but there was also like a, like an adult section of Craigslist. There, oh, there was, because you had to say you were over 18 to get on it. And I like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, because because I know like now, like if anyone isn't familiar with this case, like hearing now, you're like, oh my God, Craigslist? What? But like there were no like apps to meet up or like have a business like yourself then because. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about the types, <laughs> the types of like Law & Order SVU episodes oh. that would have been filmed during this time. And, and I'm imagining just like the websites that they would have to like for escort pages during this time period were just like essentially MySpace level of like skill. Oh yeah. It was not like a high level operation. Yeah. You were, there was no swiping or like uh, connecting your Spotify playlist, anything. Yeah. And then also, especially too, cause Craigslist, you can remain for the most part anonymous and uh, just, yeah, well that's the scary part. Cause I mean, I 
don't I didn't use Craigslist in 2010, but like nowadays it's pretty much all throwaway emails. Yeah, it's very much a scam. So it's just like, how do you track people? Yeah, but I feel like I mean I can't. I'm just basing an assumption here. The perk of what well, a it was mainly the only place to advertise for escort work. I'm assuming, and then or in a more uh, precise way, and also b it was nice to probably keep your uh, anonymity because take how people look at sex work now, take it back 10 years. They looked at it worse then. And it's just, which is a completely different story, which is, I think people should respect it more, but here we are. Uh, So they worked as escorts advertising on the site and they were not native to New York, which, so they would kind of just go in, they would be going into New York for their job with their client. I feel like what's interesting about that is they, they do think that the killer does live on Long Island and might be native to Long Island. And it's kind of this like almost power imbalance where you're um, dealing with sex workers who are not like familiar with the area or at least not native to it. And they're just not in their home element. That is really true. Yeah. Cause it's like, not like, it's like if you're in your hometown, you could be like, okay, I can run this block. And then I know I'm in like a public uh, street or something like that. It's just, you have no clue where you are and you're just trapped with this person. Scary. It's terrifying. And the, so the first uh, victim that we're going to talk about is Valerie Mack. She was a 24-year-old mother from South Jersey uh, who was missing 20 years before her body was discovered. That is like the craziest part is a lot of these women were missing for many years before Such they were found. Time and just had no answers for so long. It's, yeah, their families. Uh, so she was actually identified through her aunt's DNA uh, with genealogy testing. Uh and she primarily, because she was in South Jersey, worked for the most part in Philadelphia and Philly just because closer distance, nearby city. Mm-hmm. She, I feel like I actually, when I first got on Hinge a couple of years ago, um, I didn't realize I had my radius was automatically set to 100 miles. So I ended up matching with and actually like I dated him for a couple of weeks. This guy who lived in Jersey, but like South Jersey to the point that he would go out in Philly more often than he would go out in Manhattan. And I was like, this is never going to work. I was going to say on the flip side, I kind of love that for you. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it didn't work out, but. Because let me tell you, whenever I'm in Philly, there's some fine people there, A. And B, I feel like there's like a nice, it's the city of brotherly love, isn't it? That's what they say, but uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. Right. So anyone from Philly has a brother and they want me to love them. Uh, <laughs> I just applied some Glossier lipstick for no reason. And by lipstick, <laughs> I mean lip balm because my lips are chapped. Danny is ready for you. Uh, I'll take, I know, hey, I know Jersey. I know the Jersey Turnpike well. Uh, so so she worked mostly in. <laughs> and the dance move too. I, I mean, I just did like one yoga class this week. I think I'm flexible enough for that. <laughs> I'm like, I hope they are. I hope they're getting their medical degree at Drexel so they could help me go to the ER after I break my bone doing <laughs> the Jersey <Jump> Park. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, back to Valerie. She had a young son and was living with her boyfriend near Port Republic, New Jersey. Uh, she was left without parents at a young age, moved around a lot and was in the foster system. So really just kind of didn't have a like stable situation growing up and really just jumped around trying to make the <clears throat> trying to make the best case for her build a life. Yeah, I think a lot of these victims that we're going to see are were just very vulnerable people doing sex work because they really needed money. A lot of them were mothers, some single mothers, so it was just like I mean, it's just really awful. It's hard. It's yeah, it's people that are extremely vulnerable and in need of help getting the complete opposite of that. Uh, she was uh, dismembered and her remains were found scattered in the woods of uh, Manorville, Long Island and off Ocean Parkway. So 
I'm sure that also added to the struggle of trying to find her uh, just because that of course makes any identification harder, but they were able to do that with her aunt's DNA. Uh, the second victim we're uh, discussing is Amber Lynn Costello, who was 27, but was also a sex worker who grew up in North Carolina, but was living in Babylon, uh, which is in Long Island. Uh, she struggled <clears throat> on Long Island. Okay. <laughs> the best bagels are not on Long Island. So we'll go with that. No, I, I mean, I feel like Long Island bagels are good. I don't think they're any different than like. New York City bagels, but another time I dated this guy from Hinge and he tried to tell me that New Jersey bagels were the best. Oh, yeah. Marry him. Ew, no. Lock him down. No, that's like a serial killer trait. No, the best, our bagels are the best is because we have just like definitely like like gasoline in our water. And it, I think it like inflates, it makes it a little chewy or something like that. It's great. Guys, DM us at NATC pod and tell us if New York or Jersey has the better bagels. I mean, I could put it to a poll, but I think the rest of the followers are going to be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I can't wait for someone in like Idaho to be like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Bagels aside. Bagels aside. Yes. Uh, she, uh, Amber, kind of what we were saying, these people, uh, these victims were struggling and had, uh, were trying to make uh, the best for themselves, but she struggled a lot with her life uh, with drugs, primarily heroin. And her sister was actually the one who got her into sex work and they traveled up and down the East Coast doing it. So they were s- sort of kind of like each other, like traveled with each other. Probably, I'm assuming it helped with protection for them and just having someone to do it with, you know what I mean? Like just going up and down the East Coast alone would be very lonely. So doing it with your sister. Amber started off using an escort agency, but then switched to Craigslist. And I think I remember oh, this happens uh, because the agency, of course, gets a cut. And mm-hmm. as you can assume, if uh, you uh, they're they're not cutting it in favor of the workers. They're That's so sad. It. Yeah, because like if you're struggling to make ends meet, you're going to try to maximize your profit. It's sad that it ends up with people like putting themselves in situations that make them more vulnerable because they're just working for themselves. That's the thing. Cause I'm sure while well, uh, these agencies I'm assuming aren't a hundred percent vetting all their people, I'm sure there's a better system for it or at least. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I'm sure these agencies are not like the best, but I would imagine it's, I mean, you'd think it's better than just straight up going off Craigslist, but I don't know what they're like. At least you would have someone to call, you know what I mean? Like a person to call being like this client is freaking me out type of thing. That's true. And also there'd be a paper trail of who was the last person seen with this woman too. Right. But I'm sure they're predatory in their own way. So oh, without it's a, really difficult. Without a doubt. There's no winning <laughs> yeah, for this. Uh, when, uh, well, except now when there's a better apps that you can individual wise to uh, filter people out. Uh, but when Amber went missing, her sister didn't even file a missing uh, person's report. She just sort of assumed that she met someone she was getting high with. Ugh, that, that's got to suck. It, it does suck. It's a hard thing because I'm sure that you never like, I'm like, it's like your sister. And I'm like, she's probably, I don't know if she actually assumed that, but still it's like, file a missing, like if you're traveling with your sister, like file a missing person report. Yes. But then there's the thing where if you are a sex worker, you're not going to want to file the like, report. talk to the police because what you're doing is illegal and you don't want to end up in prison or jail. Yeah. They'd end up being like, okay, well, your sister does drugs and you both are sex workers. You're arrested. And it's like, that's okay. Yeah. I feel like she didn't want that either. So that's rough. 
Well, that's the hard thing. And that's exactly what Sarah said, how these are such vulnerable victims because there's no way for them to win in a lot of these situations. Because what do you do What do you when you're trapped in the corner like this? Yeah. Which is just awful. She ended up receiving a call from someone offering her $1,500 for her services on September 2nd of 2010. So this is a few months after uh, Shanae and the first victim or the, the first victim we discussed. And after she left for it, she was never seen again. Some of the other victims, one is Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She was a 25-year-old mother of two who vanished during a visit to New York from her home in Norwich, Connecticut. Um, She was missing for three years before she was eventually found as one of the Gilgo Four, which is the name that they give, that they kind of like ascribe to the four original victims that were found. Her sister doesn't know how she ended up on Long Island, but she did take clients from Craigslist, but she would do it from a Super 8 in Manhattan. So it's unclear like how she got out there and why. And also Um, just for anybody who might not know, that's like a motel chain. Yes. Yes. The motel chain. Um, And her sister says that she turned to sex work because she was a single mom and she was desperate for money, which is kind of like what happened to a lot of the other women. Yeah. Um, There's also Megan Waterman, who's who was 22 years old and she was the youngest of the four. She was last seen on June 6th, 2010, leaving a hop hog holiday in. Danny, I took this one because I did not think you'd know how to pronounce hop hog. I got you. I was going to say, I'm like, what is I'm like, what's going on there? Guys, it is spelled H-A-U-P-A-G-U-E. So I would have said sure Long Islanders know what going on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do not compute. Another victim, Melissa Bartholomew, was one of the first discovered, and she was from the Bronx. The weirdest part, like this, this one took a very sinister turn because oh. the killer called Melissa's 16-year-old sister multiple times from Melissa's phone to taunt her. That's just like... So this is how we know we're dealing with a with a serial killer and just generally depraved person. A depraved, twisted, awful person to be like, oh, here's a younger sister in her phone. Yeah. Let's, let me ruin her life more than I already just did. Let me just add in like salt to the wounds. Completely fucked up. And there was also Jessica Taylor, who was an escort and was last seen at Port Authority in Manhattan. Um, and she was dismembered and just honestly, like her remains were kind of scattered. Um, some found in Gilgo beach in 2011. Um, some also discovered earlier in 2003 in Manorville, New York, which is in long Island, but almost 50 miles from, um, all the other remains that were found. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very, I don't know, like twisted MO. It's just such like a like a twist depraved thing. And it just every time you hear it, you understand, like you see how also in a sense <clears throat> they got away with it for so long because they targeted people that they knew couldn't go to the police or didn't have <clears throat> the it's not like a a very wealthy family from Connecticut who can like send in all these top lawyers and private investigators and things like that. Yeah. And also, I just think like they they didn't have the same roots that someone who is working like. I don't know, a nine to five and living with their husband would have like, yeah, on Long Island, just a, too. like different, yeah, like different support systems, just like everything. Um, also, most of the victims we think were female, but there was also found and linked to the Long Island serial killer and unidentified Asian male, also a female toddler 
and a woman who is identified as Peaches because of her tattoo and Peaches is believed to be the mother of the child. And there's also a number of other people who are suspected to be linked, but they just haven't been officially linked yet. It's because it's like there's it's been so much time and there's just so much that. Yeah, it's all over the place. And um, on top of it being all over the place in some time, of course, there are other reasons why some things can't be linked and why this can't be solved. And uh, it is sort of a motif in a lot of the cases we talk about. A little corruption and a little. Uh, yeah. Uh, Good old fashioned police corruption. Police corruption with a dash of slut shaming and a side of misogyny just <laughs> whipped up in. Oh, a uh, shittiness cocktail. On Long Island. Yeah, your Long Island long time. Honestly, listen, I do not claim these people. That is South Shore. Okay. Sorry, I'm a North Shore bitch through and through. And we like that. Okay. And, and we do not we do not claim Suffolk County, Nassau. I mean, Nassau County is not no dream, but we didn't do this. We did. <laughs> feel like I'm gonna say. And sometimes that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say when I'm like, no, I'm not from the Jersey Shore area of Jersey. Or when you're like, no, Westfield is the town that we hate. Oh, literally. Do not say I'm from Westfield. We have no, actually, we have some crazy stories in Cranford, but we had no, we, John List wasn't there. So there's that. <laughs> and, and neither was the Westfield watcher. Oh my God. Not at all. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares again remembering that story. So talking about the corruption, the Suffolk County PD uh, locked out the FBI in 2012. These dicks. Even though they came only to assist them in 2011. So that was, that's like less than a year of them trying. And then they suddenly were getting shut out. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you're never shutting out the FBI for a good reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're never like, oh, we really got, who could help us? The FBI. Nah. They're, they're gonna, they're, we, we don't want them to cramp our style. It's like, no, you don't want them to uncover stuff. Like, what's going on here? I'm just saying. Yeah. Not to spoil it, but it's like you're hiding something. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Not to, uh, not to spoil it, but just to let you know, they sent away everybody before they could complete a profile on them. So they really had nothing. Yeah. They, so they even had the behavioral analysis unit, which if you watch Criminal Minds, like that's what it is, who, could have like looked at all the case file and blah 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 and like constructed a profile of the killer and maybe pointed them in a direction of like what type of suspect they're looking for um but no they sent them away before they could complete the profile so that's like a big factor that kind of scratches your head you're like mm -hmm. uh so yeah they really it just seemed loud and clear while they never went out and said it, it from their actions and behavior they really did not care or care to invest time in these victims. Uh, one senior detective remarks that it was a, a consolation to the public that the victims were, and I quote him, only sex workers, which... But he didn't call them sex workers. That's what I did, because that is the correct term, I hope, that we use in 2021. Yes. If it's not, please correct us and we apologize. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. But it, I believe it is. And that's exactly... He used so. a more outdated word. A more outdated term for a fucking outdated mindset. And I hope he doesn't have a pen. Like, I don't even, like, it's just so annoying to that. And like, even the fact that he said that, it just really goes to show they didn't even try for a second with this case. You know what I mean? It speaks volumes and it speaks everything. Even if they were doing the bare minimum of checking out places, they weren't stalking to find a lead. They weren't working overtime or they weren't actually putting the full potential that they could slash should be doing for their job, by the way, on this. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. Disgusting. 
And also the newly appointed chief, uh, James Burke, who was being investigated by the Justice Department for corruption. Excellent. Fun little, uh, you know, just a fun little cherry on top of him. Uh, it is funny because whenever whenever someone brings a Burke to this, I'm like, John Benet. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, the brother did it. I'm like, and what? you're like, wait, no, what? No, a different Burke. <clears throat> Uh, in 2012, he uh, assaulted a man uh, being held for a parole violation. Very chill. Uh, you want someone level-headed for a police chief, I'm sure. Uh, the man in question was brought in on suspicion that he stole a bag containing sex toys and porn from Burke's police car. Why was that there? Like, what do you, what? I don't care what you do in the boudoir or in your backseat, but then don't care about what anybody else does. You know what I mean? And it's like, it just that, and the fact that it was like sex toys too infuriates me so much more because I'm like, all right, what, what's going on here? Yeah, like, why? I'm just like, why? Yeah, I don't know. Why do you have sex toys and porn in your like work car, dude? Like what's yeah. going on? It's also I'm like I'm like are your nipples getting twisted like when the car turns I'm like maybe Ew. that'll be a thing, but I don't think you can drive with that and I'm assuming a James Burke is a little like got a little hairy chest so I feel like that, that could hurt but I mean whatever uh, Burke ended up pressuring detectives who saw the attack to deny it had happened uh, great just you know have the police lie for <laughs> one another uh, of course guys because like we said. The Suffolk County uh, is just really cream de la crop here. So, of course, the district attorney, <laughs> Thomas J. Spada, did help cover it up. Yeah. Truly Excellent. just. Yeah. So uh, the two were later convicted of this conspiracy uh, or of conspiracy. Uh, they don't have any DNA or uh, that was just decided. And they don't have any DNA from a suspect or potential suspect. For uh, these cases, we're getting back to the uh, serial killer cases now, but they do have DNA from the victims. And it's just sort of like, I, I don't get why they're kind of just like, I feel like they, for this case, they were looking for things to be dead ends. Do you know what I mean? Instead of like actually using them as a stepping off point. Uh, New York has a very strict law about police accessing DNA, uh, but it's just kind of one of those situations where you kind of just want them to quite frankly, do their job. Yeah, like, do do your job and also don't actively be corrupt. <laughs> like, oh my God. Hot take. I know, really hot take. It's, it's a hot take this week. Just be a good person to the DA of Suffolk County and Morgan Wallen, and neither of them can. So here we are. Well, it's just like on one level, you have these police officers who like actively did not give a fuck about the victims and that's bad enough. And that also is very bad but then on the other hand you have people who are like actively working to do the wrong stuff and like and then try to cover it up so it's like it's yeah. just a, a double whammy of like this this police force was not gonna solve this case for a multitude of reasons they weren't gonna solve it and while sarah i think we're, we are educated i don't think we will solve it either but there are some leads i of have who it some could theories be. but <laughs> I don't think that we will personally solve it, but I will say that um, when I listened to Martinis and Murder, their episode on the Golden State Killer, I just remember this so clearly because John Thrasher had this theory and that he thought it was a police officer for various reasons. And lo and behold, it was a police officer. So while I don't think that we'll solve it, I think that we could maybe predict it. Okay, there you go. And you and John can go off for celebratory martinis, or we all need to. We're all going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so as far as who it can be, there's some evidence. Police recently released uh, 
a leather belt with hand engraved initials, which are either HM or WH, depending on literally like if it's upside down or right side up. So they recently released that to the public. Um, and they also think, as we mentioned, that it is someone who knows Long Island just because the remains were found more than 40 miles apart, which suggests knowledge of the area. Um, there is one theory that it could be related to a string of murders of um, escorts in Atlantic City when um, four sex workers were found dead in a ditch in 2006 behind the Golden Key Motel. Some similarities there. I mean, it's not officially linked, but they are exploring that possibility. Yeah, because it could even be then part of like maybe even like a bigger string of things. Yes. Um, there also could be two killers, um, basically like... The four victims who were found in 2010, the Gilgo four, and then like another serial killer who's killing people because um, I think the Gilgo four were found dismembered and the other group was not. So that could suggest like a different person, but I don't know, maybe not. And then there are two like potential, I don't know if they're people of interest, but there are two names that came up. Um, so one is a man named John Bitrolf, who was, get this, convicted of killing two sex workers in the early 1990s. Never and their bodies were f- discovered in lewd positions with their left shoe missing. Um, he was convicted and his DNA was found on one of the victims. His wife, of course, doesn't think that he did it. Like, all right. Yeah, it's like, okay, lady, let's call a spade a spade here. Yeah. And so for all of you people who are like, wait, but he was convicted of these murders in the 1990s and this is happening in the 2000s. Here's the thing. He wasn't arrested until 2014 when for the second time in this case, the family genealogy DNA came through and his brother's DNA ended up tying him to these unsolved murders. So this guy was just walking around free for decades and we already know he has this his uh, mo yeah. yeah we already know his mo we already know he's killed sex workers so like i could yeah I feel like there could be something there i don't know why he wouldn't i mean i guess if he confesses to it you get a lot more but like come on yeah i mean so i think that's a legit suspect another suspect is burke not ramsey <laughs> the the chief um he was investigated by the Internal Affairs Bureau in the 90s for his associations with sex workers. So there we go. And isn't it weird that under his lead, the FBI was shut out. Everything was shut out. Nothing was going on to help this case. Yeah. And we already know he's a dirtbag. So yeah, that is. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know there. I'm sure there's like other there's so many other potential people and names but these were the two big ones that came up um danny do you have any theories uh, yeah i kind of do while i do think uh burke is a say it with me piece of shit <laughs> um i do sort of I, like i the the like the john Bitro, like he kind of he kind of is more in my head with it just because he did have we have proof of him doing something like this before and he was free for a while and i can't imagine the idea of just killing it's the set with why serial killers are serial killers. It's like, I can't imagine him killing two sex workers and then being like, okay, I'm done. I'll just live my normal life now. I don't know. I mean, I actually, I think even if it's not Burke, I, I immediately got the vibes that it was a police officer Mm -hmm. just because 
I don't know why I like the knowledge of the area, like being able to sort of try at least to elude law enforcement. I mean, like multiple, like, you know, getting rid of the evidence along like multiple stretches of highway. Um, That's because it is a lot of like intense, like specific Long Island geography. Yeah. Knowledge that comes from people that have like maps and routinely scan for stuff. Yeah. So and a vehicle. So that was that's my personal theory. I I think it is probably a police officer. Also, just the choice of the victim, too, is just like, again, like we said, like most vulnerable people, people who like the police weren't protecting, even though they're supposed to. Well, that's what I was going to say. They had the opportunity to form. That's true. They have the opportunity to form the own narrative with it too, that they were just like, well, you know, they're only, you know, boom, 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 to kind of get the public to just calm down and be like, thank God my daughter's a cheerleader or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, fortunately there is more renewed interest in the case and people are like, no, we care about this and we care about these people. And you can't just like sideline these poor women and perhaps a few men. I'm glad people are getting more momentum. And also now that people, of course, are look, are being like, it's not okay that you, you can't just write off looking for people because of what they do for a living. Yeah, it's also not a consolation that there's a serial killer just, you know, running around on Long Island. Right, like, do you want that to be your rep? Police officers, like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too hopeful about all these cases. But this one to me, it's like there is the possibility for some evidence. And I don't think it's like cold. It's not cold. It's war- There's some warmth added to it, which is good. They're they're preheating this oven, which thank God. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lead in this at some point. I know I would. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I, I'm hopeful. And I feel like it just if, if you said to like, there's, there's some new people coming in that might be like, let me actually take a look at this or like, yeah, and like turn hey, up the heat. You call the FBI like, sorry, we ghosted you. Like, can you actually help us? <laughs> FBI is like new phone. Who this? <laughs> <laughs> no, FBI, if you're listening to this, I mean, you're probably listening to me on my laptop. So I'm looking at you. Help them out. <laughs> yeah, right. No, the NS- NSA people, whoever is in my phone right now, um, you know, just shoot over a message to the FBI. Tell them, you know, we're sorry. We don't know them. <laughs> we don't know them, but we apologize for them and we still want your help. So there is that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And before we play today's game, we have a little update from my favorite Actually, I don't think it's my favorite pyramid scheme, but somebody's favorite pyramid scheme, LuLaRoe. Oof. That's right. It's the leggings one. And they have been in a lawsuit for quite some time. It was filed in Washington state. And basically now the headline is LuLaRoe agrees to pay $4.7 million in pyramid scheme lawsuit. Um, like I said, filed in the state of Washington and about two weeks before it was supposed to go to trial, LuLaRoe ended up settling with the plaintiffs. $4 million of that settlement are going to be used to pay Washington state residents who lost money because of LuLaRoe's deceptive practices and people who failed to make a full-time income as they were promised, which is going to amount to about 3,000 residents getting a check. So not bad. Somebody else do the math. Four million divided by three thousand. I was gonna say they're getting their own stimulus check, I guess. So there's that. They're getting a stimulus check. Yeah. Um, 
Mark Stidham, who is like one of the founders of LuLaRoe and just like general scumbag, said in a press release that even though they would have won the case, it would have been too expensive to fight. To which I say, big fat eye roll. It's truly like the end of Scooby-Doo when they're like, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids. And it's like, oh my God, true. <laughs> like you, you went enough. You went enough. Babe. I was going to say, it's like when you turn down a guy and he's like, oh, fuck you, bitch. You're ugly. I didn't like you anyway. And you're like, okay, you DM'd me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you tried to sell me leggings, sir. <laughs> yeah. And also like we've seen in a lot of pyramid scheme lawsuits, even though LuLaRoe did settle, they didn't admit liability or wrongdoing. Um, so, you know, there's that they do, though, have to adhere to certain new guidelines in order to continue to operate in Washington in the future. So, number one, they have to ensure people understand how much money they can actually make through LuLaRoe. And they're going to do this by publishing an income disclosure statement that accurately details the earning potential. Number two, they're also only going to be able to pay bonuses to retailers based on that person's individual sales and not the sales of their downline. That's a big that's a big one. That is that's an intense buddy. Yeah, that's a big one. Also, their um, their refund policy was a big part of the lawsuit because there was a lot of drama, like the big draw of LuLaRoe because their onboarding was so expensive. It was like five thousand dollars a package, but they would hook people by saying like, well, any unsolved unsolved. Any unsolved mysteries? No. Any unsolved merch? Any unsolved merch help you, you guys? Are, um, you are spiraling. This, this spiraling. is how you know it's a 5 p.m. recording day. It's true. Okay, so basically their refund policy would say that anything you didn't sell, you could refund. Like 100% get all your money back. So this was why a lot of people would join. But then when it came time to like, so then when it came to time to cash in, they would like make all these excuses and be like, oh, actually, this isn't eligible because it's an old pattern or whatever, just making up shit. And there was also a point in which they changed the refund policy. And it was like this huge scramble for people to try to get their money. And they like sent in all their inventory. And LuLaRoe was like, no, sorry. And we're also not going to send it back. So people were just like, out all this money they spent and then they were also out the product so it was a big shit show big old shit show big shit show but because of this lawsuit um now at least in washington it's going to be regulating their refund policy so new retailers have to be able to refund within 45 days of joining and it bans the companies from making any deductions on the refund request being like oh no this is like an old collection like you can't refund it so they can't do that shit anymore so they got some rules <laughs> something tells me won't change much i mean i think it will definitely help if like people aren't like the fact that they can't earn bonuses based on their downline is a big um huh like a big pyramid scheme like that's just big pyramid scheme shit and them taking that away i think is a big deal that and is true. I, I think a lot of people are gonna just like jump ship to a different pyramid scheme that i mean hey you know what because once you're in it you can't you can't leave it yeah you know? at least i feel like the people who are high enough up to be making a good percentage of money off their downline there we go okay yeah and now before we let you go it's time for my favorite part of the episode now and i from the DMs and the reviews, y'all's favorite too. We're bringing in Jorge, fan favorite, the voice of an angel, people are saying. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. You are a very comforting voice after ours. Now I feel so self-conscious about my voice. Like, how do I, how do I speak? 
I mean, <laughs> just me like that. I mean, it's it's people are like people are putting it on their toast right now like butter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for today's game, in honor of an island that is long, we are playing <laughs> the long game. Ooh, oh, that's fun. Which is all about the longest blanks in history, and all of them are going to be crime related. And we're going to play this like a uh, Price is Right rules. So it's going to be, I'm going to say something, and then you guys are going to have to guess the number that is associated with the question. Ooh. Damn, is it multiple choice? That sounds hard. No, it's just, it's open-ended, <laughs> but it's just okay. the closest to the actual number will win the question, so. All I gotta say is, you said we're guessing the longest things in history. Sarah said it sounds hard. You said it's open-ended. I don't know what this episode's rated now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right, let's jump right in. So the first question is, how long was the longest trial in U.S. history? So we are looking for a number of years. Ooh. I wonder whose it would have been. I want to, I'm going to go with four years. Hmm. Danny says four. I was going to say two. Sarah says two. And the correct answer was seven years. Ugh, what was it? it was Don't a you trial... have the right to a speedy trial? It's nuts. <laughs> it was a trial called the McMartin Preschool Trial. Have you guys heard of this? No. No. So it's this is insane. So this happened from 1983 to 1990. Oh my god. And oh my. it's kind of known as part of the satanic preschool like satanic panic craze. What? So that was a thing. It all happened when one mother of a kid in this preschool in Florida accused a teacher of abusing her child and a panic took over the entire preschool. Seven teachers were accused, but there was literally zero convictions from this entire seven year trial. Wow. It all ended up being fabricated. The investigators were basically coaxing children to make unfounded accusations and oh, parents shit. were accused of coaching their children. So it's, it's bizarre. And that's so bad. Some of the accusations were actually insane. Like one of the teachers was accused of being able to fly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and another one, and this is crazy, but it's real. This was said in U.S. court, was that the teachers were flushing kids down the toilet to secret rooms where satanic rituals and orgies would take place. Okay, that one seems easily disprovable. <laughs> like, look at like, how and big we call is the, the plumber to the stand. Like, how big are the pipes? Case closed. I like, wow. Well, now I want to do an episode on that. Yeah, Same. it's, it's <laughs> crazy. Um, and also the main defendant was this guy called Ray Buckley. And he spent this entire time in jail without bail. Oh, he shit. Seven years. That also feels like a constitutional uh, yeah. like, con rights violation. Yeah, the 80s were I crazy. bet he got a big payout. That's I was gonna say, it also sounds like Florida. No, he actually he countersued the parents for slander and he won Good. the case, but it was only awarded a single dollar. I'm sorry. In damages. One dollar. That's some Taylor Swift shit right there. What? Justice for what's his name? Because he deserves way more money, at least like the lost earnings from spending seven years in prison. I know. Yeah. And, you know, there's many interviews with him saying this ruined my life. You know, no shit. it's hard to recover from that. Yeah. If you're the if you're the guy known as the guy who was keeping kids Sue again, <laughs> yeah, come to me. Sue the sewage system for not backing <laughs> oh my him up. God. All right. Moving right along. We have 
the longest amount of time that a person was missing and then found alive. So actually found. Oh, I'm going, I'm going like 43 years. I was going to say 19 years. That's the, the number in my head. And I'm going with it. The correct answer was 42 years. What the fuck? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, That's true. Wow. Okay. Job, okay. Daddy. I'm feeling hot. Okay. I'm getting it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great. Damn. So this was the, the story of a woman called Flora Stevens, who actually worked as a, a, as a chambermaid at a hotel making $2.25 an hour. This was in nineteen. And fun fact, that's still the minimum wage today. <laughs> Fucking truly. <laughs> so her husband actually dropped her off at a hospital. And two hours later, when he came to pick her back up, she was nowhere to be found and just gone without a trace. And it wasn't until 2017 when a skeleton was found in the area that matched her general description. And it obviously wasn't her, but it sort of ignited more, more like interest in the case again. And they found that someone named Flora Harris was using Flora Stevens's social security number at an assisted living facility in Massachusetts. So they went and tried to investigate this woman and she was suffering from dementia. So it was very hard to communicate with her, but they showed her a picture of Flora Stevens and she said, me. She actually recognized herself. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. uh, they talked to the workers at the facility and apparently she never really spoke too much about her past other than to say that she had had a bad marriage and that her husband was abusive. Ooh. Oh, shit. So it sort of led people to believe that she actually ran away and eventually was found 42 years later in 2017. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. Well, that kind of has a, like, I, for her, like, I'm glad that she was able to run away from that, I guess. Damn, that's Me too. Wow. Yeah. And then who was the body? Do they know her? I don't think they found out. <laughs> it's just a Didn't make the off. article. <laughs> She's like, oh, and she killed her husband. Got it, got it. All right. Danny has two. Sarah mm-hmm. has zero. But Sarah, anyone's game at this point. All right. Next up, we have the longest prison sentence ever given. Well, Sarah just kind of researched this. And this is not including life sentences. This is just like mm. a raw number of years. So it doesn't... Con- count like consecutive life sentences yeah i'm not counting those this is just like a a number of years that was given to one person okay 265 now i feel like i have to go up but i was gonna say 181 years and i don't know why okay i'm just gonna go with that the correct answer was (laughs) 141,078 years wait (laughs) (laughs) wait how I thought Laura's supposed to be good at math. What the fuck? What <laughs> country was mom? this? This was actually a case in Thailand. Okay. Uh, from a woman. Uh, wait, I don't even know how to pronounce this name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Chamoy Tibiaso, apparently. I'll believe it. Shout out to the icon. And she was convicted of committing corporate fraud for running a pyramid scheme that defrauded more than 60,000 <laughs> yeah. people. And was worth over two hundred million dollars. Holy shit! So don't do LuLaRoe in Thailand. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> and I was pretty away. much the rest of eternity. In oh my god! <laughs> What's funny about this though is that at the time, this was in the eighties. Thai law said that those convicted of corporate fraud couldn't serve more than twenty years in prison. 
So she was actually released after just eight years of her 141,078 year sentence. <laughs> I love that. Like the prison workers are like, so should we get rid of this body? It's like, no, no, it says 141,000 years. <laughs> she run, like it's her ghost, just like, can I fucking go? Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm honoring you, bitches. The ghost bailiff is like, all right, you're free. Yeah. Now she just has like, such a bar conversation story because that's the thing too it was a crime but it's not like she, i was expecting her to kill someone she's like yeah i fucking sold some leggings in a sense and i was <laughs> yeah. to for a thousand years. it's amazing <laughs> all right danny has won three of them but hey sarah we can still play for bragging points there's two more <laughs> <laughs> oh wow okay great okay so what about the longest imprisonment term ever served like actually served i'm gonna go with 90 90- one years. I'm going to cho- do 102. Okay, so the correct answer was 70 years, 303 days. So, Sarah, mm. you're on the board. You're on the board, baby. Not a shutout. All right. <laughs> so, this honor goes to a person called Charles Fassard, who was a French immigrant living in Australia, and he was convicted of murdering an old man in his home and stealing his boots. So, there are Yeezys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No regrets. It's also so funny hearing all this intense stuff happening in other... I'm like, in America, they just be like, oh, you stole your shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he was jailed or he was imprisoned when he was uh, 21 years old and he died when he was 92 and he was still incarcerated. And he served his term at a prison called J-Ward, which was a psychiatric facility to house the criminally insane, but is now has been turned into a museum providing tours. So if you're right. in Victoria, road trip, check it out. Well, they can go everywhere now. COVID's I, from from what I see on social media, Australia's good to go. They're partying. Oh, damn it, hit it up. All right, last question. Okay, what was the longest police car chase? And this is I'm looking for distance in miles. I mean, my mind is thinking like, how long was that OJ car chase? That's where my but... mind was going to. Yes, twins. Um, but I don't know numbers. <laughs> I'm going to just say 500 miles. Wait, I'm thinking of the song. Whatever. I'll just take that. I know, because now I'm like, how many? I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm like, how many miles are in the country? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 420 miles? Yeah, 420. That was accidental. <laughs> so the correct answer was 447 miles. So I think, Danny, you're technically closer. Damn it. Oh, yeah. damn. By 27. How am I like this is some this shows dumb luck work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So this happened in New Zealand and uh, the driver was a 20 year old Michael Massey, who was a sawmill worker in Invercargill, New Zealand. Um, the chase started on October 14th in 2016 at 1 a.m. when police attempted to pull him over for speeding and he just proceeded to evade the police for <laughs> the next 16 hours. <laughs> Wait, okay, didn't he have to like stop and refuel? I don't know how this happened, but he was caught at 5 p.m. the next day when he abandoned his car and went off on foot and they finally caught up to him. That's Uh, iconic. That is wow. Yeah, and he had actually been disqualified from driving a full year before this incident, so that might explain why he was so keen. But he's clearly a good driver. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Two things. His name A sounds like a Disney character, like a Disney actor. For a second, I was like, "Is this the guy from like, like uh, that's a yeah, Raven?" I, yeah, I was like, "Is this that's a Raven?" Yeah, because Massey, but it's kind of Massey. Yeah, and the second one, Massey. for just a speeding ticket, the cops like, why did they like? I would have just, I mean, I yeah, guess, why did they waste the resources? <laughs> Do they have that little crime in New Zealand? Damn, I guess yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, 
It's a different society. They're like, we had one COVID case and one person who stole gum. So we really need this. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get this monster. <laughs> well, that is our game. And Danny, you are the winner of the long game. Two oh. weeks in a row. Look at wow. you. Yeah, killing it. I really did not think I had that in me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I know about pyramid schemes and that's it. Yeah, I, I, I know how to say numbers and that really helped me out there. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed. And I'm also, I literally wrote a note because I'm Googling the Florida thing because I am now very invested in the satanic preschool. Oh, yeah. yeah same. Look it up. It's the McMartin preschool trial. It's That's a trove. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump into that. Well, thank you so much, Jorge, for, yeah, of thank course, you. ending it out. Everyone, I mean, this is, I mean, this is truly the perfect way besides me and Sarah just going, uh, um, bye. Because <laughs> now we're ending. Now I'm high on life. I'm going to have a glass of wine to celebrate my victory. And it's that. So while I'm, I'm pouring wine, you guys can follow us on Instagram at NATC pod. Yes. And be sure to follow Danny on Instagram at cashmere Danny with a K. Oh, oh my God. Follow Sarah, Sarah Lameem. Jorge, do you want anyone to follow you? Or are you private? What's going on? No, I, I don't really subscribe to social media. I'm more of a shut in. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be covering Jorge's future crime in a future day. <laughs> And on trial, I'm going to be like, I don't know. He was like a shot in. <laughs> we have it on tape. <laughs> but until that crime date or that court case, uh, we'll get to see you guys next week. Betches.